Hey everyone, it's Blake. Quick announcement before the start of the show. At the beginning of November, my mom is going to be doing a walk to raise money for MS, for multiple sclerosis. So um, it's a 50-mile walk that she is going to be doing, and uh, all of the proceeds from the walk are going to a fund to help uh, raise money to find a cure to MS and the different forms of MS. So uh, for those of you that don't know a lot about MS, it affects millions of people worldwide and can have a lot of different symptoms and different ways that it impacts people. But a very common theme is that it sort of restricts mobility and movement and you having full control over your body. And something uh, very difficult about MS is that it usually gets diagnosed at a relatively young age, like 20s, 30s, stuff like that. But then it is degenerative and keeps getting worse throughout your life. So when you get diagnosed, it might not be so bad, but you kind of know that there is this timer on you that you are going to be getting worse and worse. And two of my mom's best friends um, have it and had it. One of them has since passed away. My wife's aunt has it. And um, like I said, millions of people all over the world have it. And I'm sure some of you listening to this know someone that has it because of how common it is. So if there is something that you would like to do to help out that person that you know with MS, or if you would just like to do it, even though you don't know anyone with MS, I will be putting a link on the homepage of Half Hour Intern uh, where you can donate to my mom's walk um, so that you know we can raise money and hopefully one day have a cure for people diagnosed with ms um, thank you so much for your help and support i appreciate it and on to today's episode well we were going to budapest for a weekend holiday and he had been working away at that point in time so this holiday was um something we'd both been really looking forward to and the night before we left i ate a burger and in Sean's words, he says he's never seen me so sick um, at that point in my life. And I just felt absolutely terrible. And but because, we, you know, we've been looking forward to this so much, I thought, well, we've got to go. So we, we got on a plane, we went to Budapest. And essentially, because the only way I knew how to handle it at that point in time was to sleep the feelings away, um, he would end up sleeping. He ended up eating on his own every night. I want to be my current self from this point forward. I want to learn how to play piano. Working with human beings. Drinking wine in the middle of the day. I want to be a fire truck driver. I'm going to be the next greatest painter. Just kind of work with kids, getting them ahead in life. I want to be a welder. I want to be a beach bum. I want to be a baseball player. Brewmaster. A winemaker. Professional snuggler. Let me mention those sweet, hot lavender baths and writing in the evening. What's up, everybody? My name is Blake Fletcher, and this is the Half Hour Intern Podcast, where we explore the interesting paths people take in life. In today's episode, I speak with Laura Mulkern, who created a company called the Food Diary Company. And they make these wonderful little diaries that you can track your food, your sleep, your diet, your exercise. Um, but most importantly, again, the, the food and diet piece, like so many different aspects of your food and diet from day to day. And notice how different things impact your life and the way that you are feeling. So Laura will go over her own personal history and uh, the difficulties that she had with certain foods. And uh, she most likely has celiac and, and went through a lot of problems in her life. But it seems like those things are becoming so much more common for so many of us. More and more people are getting diagnosed with actually difficult diseases. And then more and more people are just lethargic or not feeling right or feel bloated all the time or, or you know, whatever it is. So um, she noticed that when she was going through this, there was no real good tool to help her track 
the changes to her diet. Um, so she made a wonderful little tool to help people out. So we will talk a lot about diet and nutrition and what you should track and why you should track it and Laura's personal story and stuff like that. So if you have ever had any sort of uh, food problems or allergies or anything like that, this should be a really interesting episode for you. Without further ado, here is Food Diary Maker. Laura, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, of course. So in order to start out talking about the food diary and the creation of it, why don't you tell us a little bit about your personal history and what kind of got you around to creating the food diary? Mm, Well, um, essentially, I went through about maybe a two or three year period where I was just really kind of under the weather and um I was I felt nauseous all the time I felt um like absolutely exhausted all the time um I just did not feel well I always had a stomach ache like that was the only way I could describe it it's oh my stomach hurts and um and it got to the point where essentially it had kind of been gradually coming on coming on coming on I think maybe it sort of started after I finished my master's degree and then sort of gradually through those first years of work, it started getting worse and worse and worse. And then to the point where um, my husband, Sean, and I were in Budapest on, um, well, we were going to Budapest for a weekend holiday. And he had been working away at that point in time. So this holiday was um, something we'd both been really looking forward to. And the night before we left, I ate a burger. And in Sean's words, he says he's never seen me so sick um, at that point in my life. And I just felt absolutely terrible. And but because, we, you know, we've been looking forward to this so much, I thought, well, we've got to go. So we, we got on a plane, we went to Budapest. And essentially, because the only way I knew how to handle it at that point in time was to sleep the feelings away, um, he would end up sleeping. He ended up eating on his own every night. So that was a really not the best holiday. And when we came back, I knew that I really had to figure it out. And I was dead lucky because my parents, um, they took me home and they got me to see a specialist. And if it wasn't for that specialist, I don't think I'd, it, it would have definitely not have taken, um, wouldn't have been quite so quick to resolve itself. But um, because he essentially got to the point where he said, he asked me all these questions that hadn't after, I don't know, maybe three or four doctor's appointments before this, none of these doctors who were general practitioners had ever asked me these questions before. Like, um, do you get mouth ulcers? And I was like, yes, all the time. Do you uh, find it hard to put on weight? And I was like, well, I've essentially been this way since I was like 16 years old. Um, Do you, um, and all all these are the questions about um, how I was feeling. And And it was like little light bulbs going off. And he said, I'm absolutely certain you've got celiac disease but the endoscopy tomorrow will tell us. And then it turned out the endoscopy didn't tell us. It was still inconclusive, Um, which now I look back, I genuinely think it's because I'd started to eat gluten-free without realizing it because I really couldn't stomach much of anything at all. I just ate rice and veggies and not much else. Mm, Because everything else was just so upsetting. Absolutely. I just had no idea what it was. So I I was eating sort of as simply as possible. Um, And and when you read the... um, if you read, say, Celiac UK uh, website, they will tell you to keep eating gluten right up until the point where you go for the endoscopy because otherwise um, the test might come back as minded inconclusive. So, but because this uh, specialist had been absolutely certain that I had it, I thought, well, I've got absolutely nothing to lose for 
to properly cut it out and um, see if that makes me feel any better. And luckily, after the uh, specialist appointment, they then referred me to a dietitian. So I, um, while I was doing this, I, you know, I told the dietitian, okay, I've cut this out, but if there's anything else you can tell me that will help, that was good. So I had a few weeks as a dietitian, but they were all like, keep a food diary. Um, and previously, the only sort of help I'd gotten with the food diary was a, a GP had given me a, a single sheet printout and said, if you want any more of those, you can print them off the internet. And I am a naturally, um, I lose things very easily. You can ask anybody, um, which is funny because I like organizational things such as diaries, but I also tend to lose other things very quickly. So these sheets, single sheets of paper weren't very weren't useful for me at all. And I ended up getting a notebook and writing it out, but it really kind of bugged me that Anytime I would do a search on the internet for food diary, anything that came up, it was always to do with weight loss. And I just thought there are so many people out there. It's something like one in four people in the UK is is diagnosed with IBS. And um, and it's just a really, really common thing that people need to keep track of. But there was just nothing out there. And I thought, well, well, if there's nothing, then maybe I'll make one. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it makes sense if they, even if somebody wanted weight loss, that they would want a more detailed sort of diary like what you're making because mm -hmm. anything, anything that we're talking about, like celiac, IBS, um, have, being overweight is similar in that it is a symptom of an underlying cause. It is a symptom of something that you are doing with your diet. So either way, like probably good to take this detailed diary and kind of analyze what's going on with your life to find out why you're overweight rather than just, you know, counting calories or like you said, whatever sort of basic sort of diet related um, ones there were. Yeah, I, yeah man, exactly. it's kind of a, a holistic overview of everything that's going on with your body and your diet and your surroundings, basically. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's so interesting hearing your story it makes me think of a health thing that i recently went through i've had a lot of um sort of uh like pulmonary problems throughout the course of my life and i was recently seeing a pulmonologist and I, i've seen many different pulmonologists in my life and this one pulmonologist started asking me all these different questions that no pulmonologist before had ever asked me before and it led to this great series of of sort of treatments that he put me on and that we did together that like have really started helping me out and it's just it's so uh refreshing and wonderful when you have a doctor that starts asking you questions and you're like oh my gosh like my answer to that is yes oh my gosh my answer to that is yes and then you're like why has nobody else ever asked me this before? Like, how is this know, possible that nobody else has asked? It, it's true. And honestly, starting that room, I was just like, yes, 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 this is, this is the thing. And um, yeah, you get to that point where you've seen so many doctors and the gut is such a difficult thing to diagnose. And the other layer of that is that at the time, because my day job is working in charity, I was working with a pancreatic cancer charity. and the symptoms it must be said of uh, pancreatic cancer are also very vague and they're generally uh you know a sort of an upset stomach is is one of them and 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 so on and i was having a small panic <laughs> at the time that it, I, I mean it's rare it's rare that somebody my age would get pancreatic cancer but I, it you know it didn't really 
that wasn't a comfort when nobody could tell me what was wrong prior to seeing this particular specialist. Yeah, I bet. So nice to have someone that that you feel like they kind of know what's going on to help you. Um, Mm -hmm. So really quickly, let's talk a little bit about celiac. Is that so what age were you when all of a sudden it seemed like things were starting to go downhill? Um, probably 22, 23 when it started ramping up. So this and seems then, to be a very common age for a lot of uh, dietary problems, a lot of mm-hmm. allergic problems, I would say, things like that. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it like your mid-20s. Uh, did... It, people that have celiac or that have IBS, is that sort of a a time when it, is that like the onset or is it something that you've basically had your whole life, but it doesn't, uh, it takes a while to do enough damage to your system. And then that's kind of like the point at which the damage accumulates. Mm, um, well, so I'm going to preface this with, I'm very much not a, a medical professional. So um Definitely people should do their own research on this and see their doctors and so on. But from the things that I've read, um, IBS is really common with women in their um, sort of early 20s to their early 30s because it's just such a stressful period of life. Um, And stress doesn't necessarily cause it, they don't think, but it can definitely exacerbate the symptoms of IBS. Um, Whereas with celiac disease, I've read that... um, it can essentially be sparked, as it were, by a, a prolonged period of illness or stress. Um, and I, I genuinely don't know if it's something that's sort of in you already. I assume you must be predisposed to it somehow. Because, uh, for example, I've had eczema since I was born and... Um, I've had other small autoimmune things that are also tied into people who have celiac disease also tend to have these other similar autoimmune things like um, eczema and hay fever. Um, So I think perhaps I may have been predisposed to it. And um, it's really funny because my mum and I talk about these kind of things quite a bit. And she says there was a period when I was a teenager that I don't really remember very well, but... um, she said I was really, there was like a year when I was really sick. And she said, basically after that, um, she's like, you were so pale and you know, you, she, oh, you used to tan when you were a kid and you, you don't, you don't tan anymore. You're always pale. Um, and so on. And I think potentially for me, it might've sort of, it's hard to explain. I think that that might've been the age when it was sort of slowly set in motion. And then after my well, sort of during my master's degree and during my first few years at work, I didn't really realize how stressed I was and how stressed I was getting. Um, and I think that just made it worse to the point where here it was and there was nothing else I could do about it, but to manage it. Definitely. That's funny. I never can. I mean, it, it's funny that I wouldn't have considered the stress piece because I always think about stress being such an underlying cause for a lot of problems or more importantly mm-hmm. the way that you say it is just an exacerbating factor so it's like all right if you would have had a small allergic reaction now that allergic reaction is going to be worse if you would have had a small mm-hmm. stomach ache that stomach ache is going to be worse like you know it yeah, just exactly. is like fuel to any sort of fire and i never really it, it, it's funny how earlier i made the comment of it seems like kind of your mid-20s is like a time when a lot of these things come up i never uh-huh, considered yeah. really that that is the time for the, a lot of people when life you kind of stop 
having your primary focus being having fun and your <laughs> primary focus is, you know, other things. And, uh, yeah. yeah, it makes sense that that would be the time frame that these things start to happen to a lot of people. Um, yeah. all right, let's talk a little bit about the diary. So, uh, if you could go over what sorts of things you track in the food diary, and if you could explain like how you decided what to include in there and, and, you know, why and all those things. Cause I, I really enjoy kind of the breadth of things that you cover in the diary. Yeah, it's quite, um, there's, there are quite a few things on one page and it, it essentially came about through a lot of trial and error for me because I had all the basic stuff that I knew you needed on, on a page when I was sort of drawing it every day in my notebook, I'd draw it out and, uh, I'd have, you know, your food and your symptoms. Those were definitely things you obviously always needed, but, um, some days I'd write, oh, I'm in a good mood or I'm not feeling so great today. Or I, another days I'd think, well, I got like six hours sleep last night and that wasn't great. Or other nights I might've got nine hours sleep. And it slowly morphed into the things we track now, which are, um, so your food, your symptoms, your mood, how, how you slept and how many hours of sleep you got. Um, the sort of stress you're under that day or something that could be stressful the things you drink, um, because for me, one of my triggers is caffeine. And it took me, it took me a while of using my diary to figure that out. And then the last two, well, the last three are medicines that you take, uh, the exercise that you're doing. And there's a, a tiny note space for anything else that you think might be re- particularly relevant to you personally. Um, so it's quite a bit to fit on a page when you think about it. um, a5 size just about roughly so it's quite a bit but then also in the diary we've got um a monthly roundup page at the end of a 30-day stretch so it might not necessarily be that you end it at the end of a particular month because the date the pages are undated so you can start tracking whenever you decide you want to pick up this diary um but then at the end of 30 days is a monthly roundup page and you essentially can track which we are good days and your bad days in like a calendarized uh, table and um it also goes through three questions with you which were this month I found next month I will and potential triggers so it makes you sit down and be mindful about your month you're not just tracking this stuff just to forget it later and never look at it again you're tracking it so that you can look back and go oh actually this month several times I noted that I was stressed and on those days my stomach aches were worse or several times I only got five hours sleep and then the next day I had a really really bad stomach ache or whatever it is the symptom is that you're following because let's be honest some of the symptoms are bowel related which are not fun to think about but if you can get a handle on what's happening when then you can you can sort it out so it also then says okay next month so for example um, one thing, and, and this is why it's so difficult to figure out what's wrong with you when you have IBS. But like, for example, one of the things to think about is when you drink water and you track when you're drinking water. Cause I realized when I drank a lot of water while I was eating, I would inevitably feel sick afterwards, uh, and have a pretty bad stomach ache after. But if I didn't drink water exactly when I was eating, if I drink a little bit before, and not during, then I was fine. Um, 
so next month I will make sure I don't drink water while I'm eating. Um, and then your potential triggers. So you think maybe stress might be a thing next month. I'll watch out for that. And perhaps water is an issue at certain times. I'll make sure I'm recording exactly when and how much I'm drinking and so on. Um, so, and then the third, the last thing are there are note pages in the back because if you've got doctor's appointments, it's always good to write down when you're in the GP surgery or the specialist office, wherever you are. It's always good to write stuff down in the moment because you will inevitably forget it. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, and also from more fun things like maybe there's a really good recipe that you found and you want to make sure you've always got it with you or, you know, you've got shopping lists or whatever it is. It's just a little space to break out a bit there. Right. I... A couple things. One, it it just makes me think that it doesn't really matter who you are that something like this would be useful because it, there's obviously kind of the uh, I guess the the highest calling of this, as it were, would be to help someone uh, tackle something really difficult like celiac or IBS mm-hmm. or whatever it is. Uh, that being said, if you are tracking all these things like you're talking about. You might all of a sudden notice a trend, like you were saying, like, oh, I, I, I stopped doing... On the, I noticed that, like the days I do caffeine, even when stressful things happen, I don't get that stressed by them. Or, oh, <laughs> I noticed that like when I'm... Uh, these days that I got eight and a half hours of sleep at night, the next day my exercise has been awesome. And I feel like yeah, so good exactly. when I'm working out or whatever it is. It basically just helps yeah. you optimize who you are as a human being, uh, mm. regardless of having any sort of problems in your life. I think one of the things that makes this also difficult is that, especially when things start going pretty good, that then mm. it's like, oh, like I'm feeling so good. Like I bet you I could totally mm. have a beer right now, let's say. And then you have yeah. a beer. And by the way, you don't feel that bad after that beer because like you've been doing so the same way. I find that when you're eating really clean, you more quickly get derailed by eating something bad than. Uh, the other way around and when you're eating really bad it mm. takes a while of eating cleans to for mm. you know things to start working out all that being said when you are eating like a really 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 good diet if all of a sudden you eat one single bad thing depending on what it is it, it like sometimes it doesn't make you feel that bad you know so it's like and yeah. then that can be like a slippery slope to all of a sudden now you're just drinking coffee every day again because one day you're like oh, you know what i bet i can have it today i've been feeling so good mm-hmm. lately and then you do <laughs> and then <clears throat> you know it's all of a sudden you're back to square one. So I would love to know how long you feel like you have to cut something out for to um, start to notice a change. Um, This is another thing that can make this sort of thing hard for people is Mm. it, uh, A, there's so many different things that we need to check on, like so many different food things to do. Then you can talk about like sleep, then you can talk about your stress level, then you can talk about exercise and all these different things that you're Mm. tracking in your diary. How long yeah. would you have to change a single thing for? And do you always recommend that people change like one single thing at a time? Oh man, that is such a good question. Um, really, really patience is so key. It's so key. And it's really hard. That's another thing that, pardon the pun, it's really hard to stomach when you are in this position of just feeling like crap because um, I just wanted this magic bullet I wanted someone to say oh this is what's wrong with you and if you take this pill for a week you'll be fine forever and that's all right and this isn't what that is and um so for example for me I had cut out gluten 
and maybe about six months or fewer or less six months or less into being in this new diet we went to America to see my husband's family and we were in New York and we found these bagels that were um, made of spelt flour. I ate one and I didn't feel too bad and I thought this is amazing it's like a proper bagel I'm sorry I talk about toast and bread so much you won't believe but (laughs) it's like it's a proper bagel this is fantastic I haven't eaten something like this in months it's amazing Uh, and I thought about that every single time until we went back like maybe and 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 I said I, I was chatting to a friend who was also celiac and she said oh you could eat that oh probably because you've still got a bit of tolerance in like a certain tolerance level in your body until you've been on the diet a while and then and then you won't be able to eat it and I was I just did not want to hear that because all I wanted was this delicious bagel and then um about a year year and a half later we went back and we went back to that bagel shop and I got a bagel and I was so sick that afternoon and I was just cursing in my head because I just thought oh no she was right and um so things do change and you're intolerance to these things gets stronger so I have more severe reactions to gluten now than I did when I first started because it's just been so long since I've eaten it um for example we went we went camping a few weeks ago and I had a pie which must have had flour in it to thicken the sauce and then basically spent all night sticking my head out of the tent to throw up so oh wow yeah, it, it gets, and, and that never, like, that severe of a reaction never happened at the beginning of it. It never got to the point where I was vomiting all the time. I just felt like I could. So once, you, once you've once you cut all these things out and you've felt a bit better, I really hesitate to put a, a time limit on how you will feel and how quickly because everybody is different. And um, but, but I suppose there will be a point where you can say, I would say probably if it was me and if I was doing it, again say um I was trying to cut out caffeine again I would probably give it a good month to see personally and if I felt no better at the end of that month I would say that particular thing is not giving me an issue but but again I'm not a medical professional I just want to put that out there (laughs) just in case yeah but so to recap your your recommendation would be to start with either a FODMAP diet or like some sort of elimination diet where you eliminate a ton of things at once, have an incredibly basic diet for Mm -hmm. a few weeks. And then from that point forward, add back in things one at a time, probably starting with the most innocuous of things and then moving towards the things that you think could be a bigger problem. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think the thing to take heart from is that sometimes people, I think, get these get this list of FODMAPs and they think, oh, God, everything tasty is on this list. This is dreadful. But the thing about that list is it's not that everything on that list is likely to hurt you. It's more that one or two things will hurt you and you'll also be able to have them in a certain amount. You'll just have to figure out what that amount is and before you start feeling ill. Um, so, yeah, absolutely start with an elimination diet or a FODMAP diet and then and go from there. What about in terms of the other things in your diary? Do you recommend uh, sort of a similar practice with those when talking about like sleep, exercise, all that um, to maybe focus only on diet at first or something? And I guess basically while you're doing this elimination diet portion and adding different foods in, 
Do you recommend trying to keep everything else as static as you possibly can, which obviously can be difficult for people, but just, you know, get as close to eight hours of sleep as you can a night. Get Have like as consistent of an exercise schedule as you can. Otherwise, I feel like it would be very difficult to, let's say I had tomatoes today and I also happen to do like the most grueling exercise that I've done in the past few weeks. And then it's mm-hmm. like, well, was it that crazy exercise or was it the fact that I added in tomatoes that made me feel weird today? Yeah, exactly. I do think um, consistency w- is the key here. Um, and that that's what I did for myself when I was first starting out. I tried to, because part of it is just pure self-care, like exercising and getting enough sleep. That's just good. That's just good practice in taking care of yourself. And it's very, you can be consistent then you can probably definitely point to, well, it's a food thing. Um, And then I think the monthly roundup pages in the diary help you look back over that with with a wider view because day-to-day you might think, oh, God, it could have been five things and I don't know. But then when you look back over the whole month as a whole, you see that actually there is a definite pattern between the nights you didn't get eight hours sleep or you did do like a crazy extreme or a different type of exercise the monthly page will give you a wider like the bird's eye view of these things because just one day at a time I think you kind of tend to get a bit bogged down in detail but if you take if you step back you can say I definitely see a pattern in these things and you are right, definitely aim to stay consistent in the sort of extraneous things that aren't to do with your diet. Right, right. Let's talk about the uh, sort of the willpower piece of this. For those of us that are not living the single bachelor life, uh, like if you have a significant other that you live with, or you live with your parents, or you have kids, or whatever it is, there's other people mm. in your house, and it's like your husband wakes up, and he's drinking coffee and you just want to punch him in the face or your (laughs) wife is having a glass of wine with dinner and you're sitting there with a glass of water and you're just like, I hate my life. Like how, how do you recommend, uh, people get like the willpower to do these things when they look in their refrigerator and there are (laughs) these bad foods in there, or they're sitting at a dinner table with somebody who is not on the same diet as them. Mm, Oh my gosh. That now that is the question. That is, it's tough. It's so tough. Like the amount of times I've been in a restaurant and someone's eating something. Like now, now I'm like three, three, nearly four years down the road with it. And it just does not feel so bad. But right in the beginning, when you're right in the thick of it, you look at someone else's plate and you think, I just want to try that. But if I'm really honest, the bad reaction that I got, this is like the stick part of it the for the specific part of like sticking to what you need is that your body will just tell you that you did something wrong like really wrong and it will make you hurt and it will think oh maybe next time I won't do that because I did I did that a lot I slipped up in the first sort of few months of so I'll just try a bit of it like a, a tiny bit won't hurt but it did and that is kind of what kept me on the straight and narrow in the end. Um, but the other, there, there are some nicer things. Like I make sure to, like I said, I love to cook uh, and I love to bake. And I'm really lucky in that way, I think, because if you enjoy doing those things, it's much easier to keep yourself on track with the diet because you kind of get into that whole looking for fun recipes and new things to try and stuff that just looks tasty. Um, and that's 
the fun side of keeping yourself on track. You can sort of bribe yourself with, well, they might be having that, but I'm going to have this awesome thing that I'm going to make myself and it's going to be delicious. Um, Or you could be also like me and you could just be the mean spouse and you can make your um, husband eat whatever it is that you eat. (laughs) (laughs) He's he's pretty used to gluten-free pasta now. Um, I I did in the beginning make like two lots i would have a pan with his pasta and a pan with my pasta but then i just got sick of that and i said tough yeah yeah that's really great <laughs> advice uh to kind of try to get more into cooking because then yeah like you said it's almost uh something that you could look forward to is the creativity of trying new dishes that you've never tried before and stuff as you try mm-hmm. to figure out uh interesting dishes to make that that are within the, your your guidelines yeah, it's so much fun. And the funny thing is, is that um, we have this terrible running joke about how if it tastes like the normal thing, and it, then it's a good gluten-free version of whatever you eat. Yeah. <laughs> um, so my aim is to make as many things that's like cake that tastes like not gluten-free cake. And um, I tell you what, I did not bake for maybe a year after I started going gluten-free because there's so many flowers and they're so confusing and I, and I tried other things and they were rubbish and it didn't turn out right. But can I just give a small shout out to the website Gluten Free on the Shoestring? Because mm-hmm. it's amazing. Their, her recipes are just absolutely phenomenal. Like buy all her books because I've never made a recipe from her website that didn't work. Like everything just works perfectly. And she, she, she's even using like American flowers and I'm using British flowers, um, like flower mixes, which had bound to be a bit different. But I don't know. I swear she's like some sort of gluten-free wizard because everything is great and it tastes really good. So if you like baking and you have to bake gluten-free, gluten-free on a shoestring is definitely the site to check out. That's great. Yeah, I'll put a link to that on the show notes for this. And I assume on a shoestring is referring to on a shoestring budget. So it's also like fairly inexpensive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think um, she has a family. So I think for her, it's about feeding more mouths than just hers. Yeah, cool. That's great. Um, all right. I would love to know if keeping this diary and getting, uh, I don't know, your body more more healed and everything has kind of changed your life in other ways as well. Do you find that you're kind of more mindful from day to day uh, because you have had to pay so much attention to your diet and, and all these other things? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, the way it has really changed my life essentially is that it has made me much more honest with myself because um I never used to admit or could never really see for example when I was stressed and people would say you know are you stressed I'm sure it doesn't help things um and I would say no I'm absolutely fine I have no idea what you're talking about um but actually when I had a diary and it was oh I still have my diary but when I first started a diary it was a place for me to it was a place just for me it's nice little private book which I knew nobody was going to read and if anybody was going to read it it was going to be my doctor who wasn't going to judge me so I would just write down quite honestly how I was feeling about stuff and um, there are other things that I ended up trying that were amazing and I would never have considered before so I, I never used to sit still much and I I still don't sit still but I do try and meditate which 
if you'd have asked me about five years ago, do you meditate? I would have said, no, absolutely not. Because this idea of just sort of sitting down and not doing anything and not, and just trying to be still was absolutely inanimate to me. And now I'll do it because honestly it had such a radical effect on this like last sort of 15% of feeling a bit blurred. I'd, I'd got the caffeine down, I'd got the gluten done and I still had like these slight aches and it that it was essentially just my stomach muscles were just clenched really tight all the time and I did not know that until I started doing headspace and he guides you through um thinking about what your body is doing and you know relaxing each part of your body one at a time and through doing a, a few months of that I realized oh my god I've just been holding myself tense all the time just tense um and it really helped me to relax and now when I feel myself tensing up I recognize it and I can start to um you know breathe a lot better and so on and so forth and if I'd not kept this diary, if I'd not had this section to write down about stress, if I'd not thought about anything else, I just, I, just, I would never have figured that out. And I would still now be going through um, my life just kind of ignoring all these symptoms, really, because that is what your body is doing. It's saying something's not right and you have to listen to it. And I used to think I could just burn the candle at both ends just constantly and you can't. And if it wasn't for this diary, I would not have just slowed down enough to recognize that and to listen to what my body was saying to me. That's so great. So not only do you have the physical change that comes with, um, with, with changing your diet and changing your life and everything, but it's also given you it like this, like mental, um, and like metaphysical change as well. Yeah, absolutely. That's so cool. Um, all right, Lord, let's go ahead and finish this thing up. Um, are you able to give any sort of like general good advice to people off of things that you have learned from your own diet and changes that you've made? Or is everyone's body like so completely different that we can't even really give advice off of these things? Um, I do think that, yeah, every, everybody is different and your own path to healing your symptoms is going to be different to mine and that's going to be true for everybody so I think my best advice is to be methodical um and try not to despair try to always be positive and for me the way I do that is just to keep moving forward very slowly so each day trying to pinpoint one thing that I'm going to focus on for you know a few weeks and trying to, again, be methodical about um, tracking that and its effect on me. Because I know it's, it's absolutely, um, it's just so, dis- you feel so despondent when you, if even if you even get a diagnosis of IBS, which some people don't even get that. And even if you've got this diagnosis and someone says it's IBS, and you're like, well, great, well, what now? or it's celiac well great or what now and it's really hard sometimes not to just feel so down about these things because you don't know the way forward and I think the thing is just to keep researching keep tracking and just try keep moving forward slowly 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 and keep your chin up and just 
be certain that someday you're going to get better because you will. Love it. That is great advice. Um, now, if you could please tell people where they can get your beautiful diary, because it has all this wonderful stuff to track and it looks very elegant and awesome. Uh, where can people get it? So you can buy it online. Um, <clears throat> the website is www.thefooddiary.co and um, essentially that's the only place you can get it at the minute. Cool. Sounds good. Awesome, Laura. This has been great. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, thank you so much. It's been really good fun. Hey everyone, it's Blake. I hope you all enjoyed the episode. If you did, I would appreciate it so much if you considered leaving a review for the show on iTunes. I swear it'll only take like two minutes. Um, Just search for the show on iTunes, click on it, click on ratings and reviews. You can leave a quick review um, or just uh, keep listening to the show. I appreciate that as well. Or tell a friend about the show or something. And if you have any ideas for the show, if you have a particular job or hobby that you would like to hear interviewed on the show, if you yourself think that you do something interview worthy and you would like to tell the world about what this job or hobby is that you have, head on over to halfhourintern.com. There's a link right there at the top that says submit your ideas and you could submit your ideas for the show, be them uh, somebody else that you would like me to interview, a particular field that you would like to hear about, or even if it is you yourself that would like to come on the show. Thanks so much for listening, you guys.